0: You're listening to the Sports Fix with Fick and Fits on MESN. This is the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on MESN. Welcome in to another edition of the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz. Here on MESN Radio and MESNradio.com. Don't forget to check us out on iTunes. Just search for The Sports Fix with Fick and Fits. And you can check out our full-length episodes every week. And if you subscribe, make it even easier on yourselves. Then it'll just come to your phone every week automatically. And that's how we want it, right? We want it easy and we want it now. So this week we're going to get into a lot of important stuff. You know, we're getting into the thick of things in the NFL season. That's right. We have the conference championships this week or weekend. Rather, both games are going to be on Sunday. And the winner of those two games go to the Super Bowl. So it's getting real, guys. I mean, we're down to the quarterfinals, essentially, of the whole NFL tournament. Last week, moving on to what is essentially the semifinals this week, and uh, let's get into the four matchups first off and foremost. So there were some really big games. I'm going to try to rank them in of importance from least important to most important. You know, we'll start off with uh, some of the lesser games and we'll get into the uh, Jaguar Steelers game last because that was clearly the game of the week. You know, it had everything, drama, you know, maybe not the soundest football. You know, there's a lot of uh, throwing the ball around and not great defense, but we'll get into that later. Let's start off with this Falcons-Eagles. Guys, Falcons-Eagles was still a darn good game because it had, you know, a star in Matt Ryan, the MVP from last season trying to get back to that Super Bowl that he feels was ripped away from him slash he gave away because he was, you know, it was almost impossible for the Falcons to not win the Super Bowl last year, yet Tom Brady somehow pulled it out with the Patriots with that crazy catch from Julian Edelman and lots of other stuff had to happen too. But Matt Ryan, you know, he was shut down in this game and he had he completed a good amount of his passes. You know, two-thirds of his passes ain't bad, and he was right around that mark, but he only had a little over 200 yards, only one touchdown pass, and when you're the reigning MVP and your team needs you in one of the most important games of the year, that's not how you're supposed to play. So Julio Jones came to play, don't get me wrong. He had nine catches, 101 yards. That's more Julio-like than he was even all year. Uh, but Devante Freeman, 10 carries, 7 yards. So it wasn't just Matt Ryan. I'm definitely not putting all of it on his shoulders by any means. In fact, he didn't turn the ball over. So like I said, it's not like I'm throwing it all on his back. He's just the first name that I brought up. But Devonte Freeman, 10 carries, 7 yards. Not going to do it for a fantastic player. Now he did add 5 receptions for 28. 6 yards and a touchdown so it's not like he wasn't existing that's what i mean it's it's really the blame of all of them not one player really played up to their form now julio jones there was that pass in the last seconds i think it was 4th and 3 or 4th and goal rather from the 3 and uh matt ryan threw that pass up to julio jones and i really feel like julio jones could have caught that ball you know possibly the best receiver in the whole NFL and he's up there with a chance where he's going to make the difference in the game and unfortunately for him and the Falcons and for my co-host Mikey Fitz it's uh it wasn't good enough this year and it's definitely disappointing for them and on the Eagles side you know they were hosting the game they're they're 14 and 3 now after that victory so even though Carson Wentz is gone they still have a lot of playmakers on that squad Nick Foles even better than uh, Matt Ryan on the day, around 250 yards, even better completion percentage, closer to 75 percent, even slinging the pigskin. So really good from him. You know, you get a touchdown from Blunt, but same thing on the Eagle side where it wasn't really a, a sound football game. It was kind of boring. You know, it's playoff football, so it's not boring, but you had uh, way too many field goals. I'll say in this one, I think that uh you know when it comes down to all field goals, it's not the most interesting game, but that wasn't the only game out there this weekend. The Eagles win fifteen to ten in that game they're gonna move on to the conference championship, and we'll discuss uh the other team in a bit, but the Patriots and the Titans played in another good contest this week, and the Titans jumped out to an early lead, and uh you know. People started to wonder a little bit. Uh, Peter Rosenberg on the Michael K. Show said the day before the game, or two days, rather, before the game on the air, on Friday, he was like, you know, if the Titans go out to a seven-point lead, especially against the spread, it was like a 14-point New England spread. Well, then New England has to score three touchdowns, you know, without reply. And in the first quarter, it was 7 nothing Titans, and after the second quarter, it was 21 7 Patriots so they had already completely flipped the script including the spread and just blew the game open but unfortunately a lot of the reason New England had such an easy task at this game is that Marcus Mariota suffered a, a slight injury during the end of the first quarter and he really was lighting up the Patriots in that first quarter I mean he ended with two touchdowns don't get me wrong 250 he had a solid game but he had, I think, three carries for 30 yards in the first quarter, and then he only ran one other time in the game and when there was no other option. And they just didn't get it done the way that they wanted to. You know, they also parted ways with their coach, Mike Munchak. He uh, is no longer the coach. Oh, wow, that was a while ago, actually. But uh, Mike Malarkey, excuse me. And uh, Mike Malarkey, he's not going to be returning as the Titans coach. So they go 10-8. and eight. They make it to the playoffs. They win a game in the playoffs and they lose to the probable uh, Super Bowl champions, you know, the team with the best chance, the Patriots. And they even had a lead, and the guy, you know, they can't come to an agreement on an extension. So that's really unfortunate. I wonder what is coming in the future for the Titans. They thought they had their coach, you know, just let's get him next year, you know, have some motivation. But if you have a new coach coming in, you got a whole new scheme. Coming in you don't know what that entails So there's probably a lot of question marks In that Tennessee Titans locker room Front office and from all of the fans for sure But as far as the Patriots side of the ball After that first quarter was over They lit it up Brady throwing the ball over 50 times in the playoffs You know, He still likes to do it his way And the Patriots they run the ball But they split it up with so many guys That if you want to pin it on one guy It's always going to be TB12 And Danny Amendola, been hurt a lot of the year, had 11 catches for 112 yards. Attaboy, that's exactly the kind of thing that they're looking for. And Deion Lewis getting the job done as well on the ground, really pounding it. He got more carries than anyone else by a long shot, more than all of the other guys put together. Brian Hoyer even got in at the end of the game to fill in for Brady, so he wouldn't get hurt. So that's you, that's when you know the game is really over. So Patriots beat the Titans, and they're going to host the AFC Championship game this weekend. And then, guys, let's get into this Jaguars-Steelers game. I realized that the Vikings-Saints was the most exciting. So let's talk about this AFC matchup. So who's going to face the Patriots? It was Jaguars. It was Steelers on Sunday and some would argue this was the best game of them all but it was so little defense being played I think Pittsburgh scored on three separate fourth down plays two of them from pretty much the other side of the field so it was just a wide open good old western shootout gun slinging all over the place y'all and Blake Bortles, you know, <laughs> he wasn't a part of the gunslinging. He barely threw the ball at all. Fournette all over the ground uh, for three touchdowns, really helping out the Jaguars. And they jumped out to an absurd lead. It was 14-0 at the end of the first quarter. Two touchdown leads still at the half. And then the Steelers brought it within a seven-point game, but it just wasn't enough in the end Roethlisberger 470 yards and five touchdowns and Le'Veon Bell I think he'll be a little disappointed uh with his running game but he still did pretty well and he had nine catches for 88 yards and a touchdown so two touchdowns and I'm saying he'd still be upset with his effort because the sky's the limit with this guy he's incredible so you know, much love to Le'Veon. He had a fantastic game, but I they just need a little bit more on the defensive side, and I think the Steelers would have eked their way through, but every single time, you know, Le'Veon gets into the end zone or Antonio gets into the end zone, the Jaguars would reply with a touchdown, and you can't win a game when you never tie the other team. You know, you gotta at least get it to be tied and then get yourself over the hump. And then guys, the last game Of the week was possibly the best one. I had just gotten home Sunday night. Went out to a nice hibachi dinner. You know, the chef cooks right in front of you. So I'm in a nice mood. Fantastic meal. Shout out to the parents for paying. Gotta love that. And Drew Brees, you know, he wasn't his normal self. But still 300 yards and three TDs. Two picks though. That's not very Brees like. But in the playoffs, you know, it's a whole new game. And the Vikings hosting at their stadium. They have great home field advantage there. Speaking of home field advantage, it helps to have a really good quarterback on your team as well. And Case Keenum lived up to the billing this week. You know, not every week do we talk about Case Keenum getting the job done in the way that everyone wants him to as far as analysts. They're like Oh, I'm not sure if he can maintain this. Well, we are he's going into the conference finals now, and he's maintaining and maintaining and maintaining. And this guy just threw for 320 yards and a touchdown and helped his team win in the most special way. And, oh, by the way, the touchdown that this man threw was the game-winning walk-off touchdown with no time left on the clock. The first time... In NFL history, that any team has won a playoff game on a walk-off play in regulation. You know, in overtime, a lot of plays, a lot of the time, it's a walk-off win. But as far as in regulation, as the time actually expires, because that's the only way you can walk off in regulation, that was the only time. And my goodness, was it a sight to see. You know, you're, you're just starting to get cozy in the chair. You know, you're not getting as excited about the plays. You, you're still watching. And then all of a sudden, that play comes on, and you jump out of your seat, and you damn near hit the ceiling. And that's what I was like. I was sitting in the chair, and I pushed my hands down on the armrest and just, you know, jumped up towards the ceiling because I could not... I don't believe what I just saw. You know, it, it was truly incredible stuff that you don't see every day and it was really special moment and my buddy he was teaching his brother his younger brother about football his brother walked up to him right before the game can you teach me about football during this game and my buddy teaches him football And the kid sees that play and is completely freaking out. You can tell that he's hooked. He's a football fan for life. After one game, this game completely captivated him. And my buddy had to tell him, you know it's not like this every game, right? (laughs) You know, there's lots of games where it's a blowout or like in the Eagles-Falcons where there's not a lot of points and the teams aren't really (laughs) moving the ball. And the kid said, I don't care because if I have a chance to see that play again or something that makes me feel that way again, it's worth it. And that is the beauty of sports right there. I thought that was an amazing story, you know. He's like, why do you like that story so much? And I was like, don't you see, like, he had his moment, man. He had his moment where he fell in love with the sport, and it's not just this sport, and it's not any sport. It could be sports in general, but that moment when you notice that, like, this is something that's going to be a part of your life for the rest of it, and you didn't even know about it until the moment that you're living in right now, that's that's a great moment, so... Definitely special. It was a special week in the NFL, and we have a lot to look forward to this week. Let's do a little bit of a preview. I'm not going to split it up and do it after the break. We're going to do all this right now as far as NFL goes. So the two games, as I mentioned earlier on the show, but I'll mention it again. You're listening to the Sports Fix with Fick and Fits here on MESN Radio. And as I mentioned earlier on the program... At 3.05, the Jaguars are going to be at the Patriots. So Foxborough hosting another, yet another AFC Championship game. The Patriots have been to seven consecutive AFC Championship games. That's right. They've been at least a game away from the Super Bowl in the last seven years. Just let that marinate for a second. That's really crazy stuff to think that with this old man quarterback and, you know, these guys that they pick up off the scrap heap that every single year they could be in the running to make a killing and get away with that trophy. So really incredible stuff. And I think that one of the most important uh, matchups this week is going to be Blake Bortles versus the New England secondary. Because if Blake Bortles... Moves the ball in the way that he did last week, as far as you know, not really throwing it at all and letting the run game happen. They're not going to win in Foxborough because. What you did against the Steelers is one thing, but the Steelers were clearly looking ahead to the Patriots. The Patriots don't look ahead to anything. Bill Belichick has them on a, this game matters for this week. We don't worry about the Super Bowl until, you know, we're on our way on the plane. Then we can celebrate all we damn want. But as far as right now, they're only thinking about the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I think that that gives them a huge advantage because the Steelers, who weren't ready for it, came within three points of beating this Jaguars team. Give the Jaguars their credit, but they were very close to losing that Steelers game. Perhaps if the Steelers don't do a horrible, possibly the worst onside kick in the history of the NFL, and certainly the NFL playoffs, uh, if they don't do that, possibly we're talking about the Steelers and the Patriots facing each other this week the way that uh, everyone wanted it to happen. But this will still be interesting because you got a little wild card team here Jaguars uh, bottom three teams in the NFL I think six years in a row and or four teams rather and they are finally going to the AOC championship game so I expect the Patriots to win this game pretty handily but I don't expect the Jaguars to just give it away I really think that it will be a nice matchup you know you got A lot of talented players. They got Marcel Darius on the inside as that defensive tackle. The Jaguars, I mean. And ever since then, they have just been a force up front on the defensive side. And, you know, they have Jalen Ramsey and some of the best players in the secondary in the NFL, which made it even more amazing that they gave up 42 points against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But, hey, a W is a W, and they get to go into Foxborough this week that's right Sunday 30:5 p.m first game you better be watching but then after that we have a game where we have two very interesting scenarios right so I think the Patriots are by far the best team remaining in the playoffs right because the Jaguars were saying it'll you know be a wild card team if they beat the Patriots it'll be a surprise right Then the Eagles don't have their starting quarterback, you know. Nick Foles is in right now because Carson Wentz tore his ACL. So even though the Eagles are fantastic, we're talking about Jaguars, Blake Bortles, not great quarterback, you know, lucky to win possibly, some people say, but also a very good team. Then you have the the, uh, Eagles with Nick Foles who – has been a solid Pro Bowl quarterback before, but he has not shown it this year whatsoever. Since Wentz went out, that Eagles defense is, uh, offense rather, is stagnant. So we got those two quarterbacks so far and Brady. And then the fourth quarterback is Case Keenum, an undrafted free agent scooped up by a ton of teams and finally made his way over from the Rams. And now he's on the Vikings. And, you know, he keeps defying the odds and keeps having these great performances. But think about this. If Brady had to draw up a... He couldn't possibly draw up a better scenario in his head. He's thinking to himself, we can handle the moment. I'm not worried about that. So he's going to be thinking, is there a guy on the other team that can just... Like, even if we have the game plan for him, we can't stop him. And I think that would have been like an Antonio Brown or a Le'Veon Bell... Or something, but as far as game breakers, I mean, Stephon Diggs possibly game breaker, uh, they're four net facing this week, but I think that it's just going to be a really nice path to the Patriots. I don't want to say easy because it's the NFL playoffs and anything can happen. But if they, they couldn't have drawn it up better than this, they got exactly what they wanted. So getting back to that NFC championship game, it's going to be Case Keenum against Nick Foles, and that is far from a blockbuster lineup. Some people will call it lackluster as far as what it, you know, they, they're bringing to the table especially Star Entertainment. Neither of them has that star appeal. I mean, I'm excited for the game because it's showing me who's going to the Super Bowl. But as far as the neutral perspective, people are going to be watching Jaguars-Patriots and then going out to dinner afterwards if they're not interested in that next game. So still watch out for the result. But I think after these two games, it is going to be the Patriots versus the Minnesota Vikings in the Super Bowl. Now, they're gonna, they have the Pro Bowl week in between on the 28th, but then the Super Bowl is on the 4th of February, and we know that is one of the most exciting times of the year. But guys, I have a very important point to make, and I know you're all going to agree with me, that is not getting talked about enough. Something that has never happened in the history of football could happen again, and it could involve the Vikings, they've already, you know, they did the first walk-off win in regulation in, uh, playoff history, what else do they have up their sleeve, well, before the season started, the city of Minnesota was awarded the Super Bowl, they're the host site for the Super Bowl, the Minnesota Vikings are one win away from hosting the Super Bowl, how insane is that, I can't even believe I'm saying those words, there has never been a team hosting the Super Bowl that ever even made it out of the divisional round. So they've never even been on the cusp of getting into the Super Bowl. And this is the first example of that ever happening before. So this is really great stuff. I mean, if the Vikings are I mean, there's still gonna be plenty of tickets that go to corporations and Patriots fans and all that or Jaguars fans. Let's not, you know, give it a foregone conclusion already. And uh, you know, tons of other fans in there. But there is a huge advantage if you get to be in your home stadium, sleep in your own bed before the Super Bowl, have media week down the street from your house. Oh, my God. Uh, Just the, the mental advantage that the Vikings will have going into the Super Bowl if they have that situation play out for them is just unbelievable. Now... The Vikings have had some very bad luck. One of the unluckiest teams in NFL history. Some would argue the unluckiest team, but, you know, some would have to say the Browns. But hear me out. The Vikings have lost four Super Bowls. Only them and the Bills have ever done that before. So the Vikings have never been, uh, in the modern era, champions of the NFL. So they would love to get their hands on one and doing it at home in their new stadium. That they've only had for a couple of seasons now. Would really be a shining moment. One that even though I don't live anywhere near there. I would never forget. The first team winning a Super Bowl at home. And you know there's a ton of sports where they play their finals. At the home stadiums. And you know you can't really wrap your head around how special that is. But if you're used to playing at a neutral site. And all of a sudden one team is home. That is you know. Almost can't even speak of how important that is. So Really cool stuff coming up in the NFL this weekend and beyond. I'm excited. They're putting the skills competition for the Pro Bowlers back on TV this year. I already weeks in advance set up the recording on my TV. When I was a kid, I used to watch those things like crazy after school, before baseball practice, at home on a weekend, all the time. You know, you're watching the best players in the world uh, and – Pads on top and then, like, uh, just comfortable shorts on the bottom and throwing passes and, you know, through hoops and stuff like that. Doing the fastest, man. Tons of different competitions. So, definitely check that out. It's going to be on ESPN and NFL Network. They're airing it, like, back-to-back days on both networks. So, definitely set up a recording or make sure that you watch that. I'm not even going to watch the Pro Bowl. Forget that. But the Pro Bowl skills competition, that's where it's at. Just like the NHL, you know, where I do like their all-star game, though, but it is a lot of, you know, non-defense nonsense. But the Pro Bowl is whack, and everybody knows that. (laughs) I think even the NFL knows that, and that's why they keep moving it around now. It's not always in Hawaii, and they're doing a lot of different things with it. But definitely tune in for that skills competition. And, guys, we're going to head to the break right now, but when we get back... We are going to talk about soccer a little bit. It's going to be a quick transfer window segment, and then we're going to end the show. But, guys, don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz here on MESN Radio and MESNradio.com. And we'll be right back. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more Sports Fix with Fick and fits. On M-E-S-N. You're listening to The Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on M-E-S-N. Welcome back to The Sports Fix. With Fick and Fits here on MESN radio and MESNradio.com. You know you can always check us out at Facebook.com slash SportsFixMESN. Slide into those DMs at SportsFixMESN. And you know you can always check out our full length episodes in two places. Check us out on soundcloud.com slash SportsFixMESN. Or you know you can always get the full-length episodes on iTunes. Search for the sports fix with Fick and Fits. Hit that subscribe button in the purple podcast app, and we'll bring you all the goodness every Wednesday night from 9 to 10 p.m. And then it'll be up on iTunes by the next day. So every Thursday, you'll get yourself the Sports Fix with Fick and Fits if you subscribe. But if you want to check it out live, it's on MESN Radio from 9 to 10 p.m. on MESN Radio. Don't forget Metropolitan Entertainment and Sports Radio Network. But we're back. We're here to do a little quick transfer window wrap-up. Because i got a lot of stuff on my mind right now, you know. As a Manchester City fan, this Alexis Sanchez transfer was supposed to be wrapped up all the way back in the summer. We offered them 60 million euros for a guy 12 months away from walking away as a free agent. And they turned it down. Slash. They couldn't get the Thomas Lamar done deal done in time. And they needed a replacement for Alexis, so they weren't let, willing to let him go unless they got somebody back. So they're still looking for that same scenario. And it looks like they might get Obama Yang back from Borussia Dortmund, which would be really interesting. Because then you start to consider yourself, if Alexis wasn't trying right now, and he was you know, kind of halfing it and not giving his full effort then a full-effort Aubameyang might be better than a half-effort Alexis. Obama Yang's a world-class striker. He's faster. He's fitter. He clearly cares more. And I think that it would be really interesting. So, if Alexis is going to go to Manchester United, like all the reports are saying now, and he's pulling... A uh, Emmerich Laporte, where he already agreed to terms with City, said he was going to do it, and then all of a sudden he's going to back out at the last second and go to somebody else. So it's really a shame. I'd love to have Alexis at Manchester City in my City uh, franchise mode, career mode on FIFA. I already transferred Alexis to my team, and I was excited because I was trying it out, seeing what it was going to be like with this guy on the team, and now it might not even happen, and it's breaking my heart. But we still have a great team, and we're still 12 points ahead in the standings ahead of United, and it's looking good. But getting back to this Obama-Yang and Alexis nonsense, right? If Obama-Yang comes to Arsenal, Dortmund don't just want cash. They want a player. They want a player back that can play right now. And Arsenal already sold Theo Walcott to Everton, Great move by Everton, I gotta say, also, because he was just not getting any time at Arsenal. He's been there 11 years. Let him get somewhere. Let him play. But Giroud looks like he would be the paperweight to move the Obama Yang deal through. So if Obama Yang and Giroud can get swapped with some cash in between, it's going to open up the door for Alexis to leave. But let us remember right now, it's January 17th. This transfer window ends in exactly... Two weeks at the stroke of midnight in good old, old English country time, right? So, Wenger already said that this Alexis deal was going to be done by today. Today's over now in England. They're sleeping over there. So, that was false. He said 48 hours, and that was a whole bunch of you-know-what. So, I don't know when this Alexis deal is going to get sorted out. It definitely has to do with a lot of other things going through first and it's very complicated situation Arson Wenger making it even more complicated just by being there, man, you know, he makes everything more complicated. This guy can't do anything right these days. And, you know, I'm I'm only half serious, but it is a pleasure to hear everyone talking smack about Wenger all the time. It's almost like my favorite thing to hear people complain about because I can't stand Mourinho, but I actually, like, Wenger makes me laugh. <laughs> you know, even just listening to, he he sounds so like polite sometimes and French and then at other times he'll just be screaming profanities at the referee so he's he gives you the best of both worlds. The calm Frenchman that wants to smoke his cigarettes and uh, then the angry Frenchman. So he gives you everything that you want. Wenger, please stay. Please keep bringing Arsenal down the drain. I love it. But I would really love even more if Alexis would decide to come to City. You know, there's some other transfer rumors going around, but really not a lot of done deals going on right now. Like I I mentioned, the Theo Walcott deal, he went to Everton from Arsenal. Uh, We got Jank Tosun, who came from Besiktas. And he's on Everton now, so Everton bringing in Tosun and Wolcott, really going to solidify the front line of Everton, who's trying to make a push to be in the top ten. And if you think about it, if Everton finishes like eighth this year, nobody's going to remember that they sucked in the beginning of the year. And nobody's going to remember that they had to fire Ronald Koeman if they end up finishing in a similar position where they honestly should belonged in the first place. People were putting them up with the top four, Everton doesn't have one single player that would get into the Manchester City side. Everton doesn't have one single player that would get into the United side, that would get into the Chelsea side, and maybe would get into the Spurs side either. So they need to start looking at some realistic expectations. And now, after all this has happened and they've, I think... Come back falling down to earth Extremely so I think they understand that more realistic To finish around 8th or 10th And then recharge again for next year So let's hope that that is what happens for Everton I have no ill will against Everton Whatsoever Uh, You know they're a nice team to watch And there's no one to hate on their team You know what I mean If anything you're rooting for them like underdogs So definitely not hating on the Evertonians whatsoever, you know. Liverpool play more exciting football. Any Everton fan would admit that, but that doesn't mean that Everton doesn't have their moments either. More so in the past. I used to love watching uh, Tim Howard be their goalkeeper for such a long time. But, hey, Everton, you'll have your swing up again. Don't worry about it. But, guys, this has been all for the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz this week. Sorry about that. You know, technical difficulty to start off the show. We got everything under control, though. And that's all right. This is going to be the end of the sports... Fix with Fick and Fits. Guys, you can check us out at Facebook.com slash MESN. Slide into those DMs at mesN on the Twitter. And you know you can check out our full-length episodes at SoundCloud.com slash mesn Or subscribe to us on iTunes. Click on that purple podcast app. Search for the Sports Fix with Fick and Fits and listen to all of our episodes. Guys, we're live here on MESNradio.com and MESN Radio every Wednesday night from 9 to 10 p.m. And then you can hear us up on iTunes and SoundCloud by Thursday, so check it out. It'll probably even be up tonight, but uh, definitely be up there by tomorrow. So if you're subscribed, you'll have it just pop Right onto your phone. But guys, it's been real. We talked about the NFL playoffs this week. And it's going to be, my belief is, Patriots versus Vikings in the Super Bowl. I just don't think the Eagles or the Jaguars can get it done this week. And that would mean that the Vikings would be hosting the Super Bowl. But they would have to face Big Bad, Tom Brady, and the Belichick's in that game and then we just talked about the transfer window a little bit Alexis Sanchez does he go to Man City does he go to Man United is Obama Yang coming to the Premier League is Giroud bringing his talents to the Bundesliga we got lots to talk about next week we're gonna wrap up everything right now but don't forget to look out for those points that I just mentioned on next week's show guys it's been real I'm your host Chris Fictel this has been the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz adios This is the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on MESN.